All right, good morning, Three Rivers Church. Uh, we're glad that you guys are gathered together and uh, with your families and groups under 10 and staying faithful, staying on mission, and staying responsible. This week is Palm Sunday, and we're entering Holy Week as next Sunday is Easter Sunday. And this is a fantastic time for us to gather and celebrate the resurrection of the Lord. I want to share with you some very quick thoughts on Palm Sunday to help get you prepared as we prepare to hear from God's Word today. And next week, celebrating Easter in Matthew chapter 20. 21 verse 1 through 11, we read the story of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and it points out some very important things for us. Number one, Matthew quotes from Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 and reminds us that this work is not something that Jesus is making up on the fly, but in fact, God is fulfilling His promise that He made long ago, that this was foretold, and not just foretold, but planned by God, revealed to the prophets, and they told about it. So God's fulfilling His mission. And secondly, we see some important things here. Jesus comes in, and they put their cloaks on the road, and they cut down palm branches and put them on the road, which was something that would be done for a king as the king entered his city, showing us that Jesus is the king, that God's kingdom has come, and that Jesus is that king. So we celebrate Jesus' kingship. Another thing we see very important is that Jesus doesn't come riding on a horse for conquering, but a donkey for peace. Donkeys were something a king would ride that symbolized they were coming for peace. Jesus the king doesn't come to conquer, but Jesus comes to bring peace and institute peace in his cross in His death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, He brings peace between God and man so that through repentance and faith, man can be reconciled to God. And the final thing that I want to draw your attention to is that the people were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Hosanna, very literally meaning save. Son of David, save recognizing that Jesus is the Savior. So as we enter Holy Week and prepare for Easter Sunday, think on these things, that God fulfills His Word, that the Lord Jesus comes as a King. He comes to bring peace, and in bringing peace, He saves. May you be blessed of the Lord. May you stay well, and may God keep you in this time. We look forward to seeing you again. Have a good day. Good morning, Three Rivers. I hope you're having a great uh, morning this morning with uh, those that you're gathered with, whether your family or maybe you have some friends sitting around with you, and um, but hopefully it's under 10. Uh, but uh, actually want to introduce myself because there may be some people that have not been um, to Three Rivers uh, in person, but maybe watching this video on the internet. So my name is John Palmer. I'm a member at Three Rivers Church, and I'm the ministry director for organizational oversight and leadership development. And uh, very thankful this morning to be able to bring the message as I am uh, uh, do that every so often. These uh, pastors allow me to do that, and I'm thankful for that. I just wanna encourage everyone um, about navigating this new way of living in community. Um, I encourage you to check on one another. Um, extrovert or introvert, we are not made to be in isolation. So check on one another. Um, there we are blessed uh, in this day and time with awesome communication tools. And uh, we have text, we have call, we have FaceTime, Zoom, and endless ways to communicate with one another. So please use these tools uh, to continue to check on one another. I'm thankful that we have this uh, that we're doing this morning to bring the message each Sunday to you. Uh, thankful for our pastors and for uh, Adam and Chris and Jeff 
and all those that are involved in uh, putting this video together. So thankful for those, those people. I wanted to just uh, introduce a uh, kind of introduction into what we're going to be studying today. I want to encourage you to read your Bible. There's no better time than right now to read your Word. Um, if you need a reading plan, we can, you can contact myself or contact one of the pastors and we will send you one. So get on the same plan as some of your friends or some of your family and discuss the Scriptures together and uh, discuss how God is revealing Himself. Uh, through the scriptures with each other. So deep reading and meditation is, is highly necessary, most especially in this time of isolation. So just a, a quick encouragement. It kind of come from, comes from my, um, uh, my reading plan. I read from a chronological reading plan. Um, my reading plan took me to Joshua 3. So we learn in then Joshua 3 that Joshua succeeded Moses in the mission to lead Israel to the Promised Land. When crossing the uh, Jordan River, when it came time for that, the Levitical priests were asked to carry the Ark of the Covenant ahead of Israel. So when their feet touched the edge of the water, the Jordan River stopped flowing and the water stood up in a heap, and Israel crossed on the dry ground. So reading that and bringing me through that in the time that we're at right now, it led me, and the Spirit led me to know that the Lord goes before us and makes a way for His people. Jesus is already at the end of this virus, so be encouraged and rest in that. So the more I study and the more I read God's Word, the deeper He reveals Himself in all the texts. So I'm learning how to read all over again. I know that sounds extremely foolish, but I am, and it's very humbling. So. I've been paying more attention, I wish I would have paid more attention uh, in, my in my literature classes in high school and college on how to read and understand uh, different reading styles and genres and narratives. I didn't really think I needed all that stuff because uh, my, my whole path was going to be technical. So uh, technical learning uh, drove me to look at things in a naturalistic point of view. So every problem had a solution. Every breakdown through good troubleshooting could be fixed. So all of that leaked over into how that I would read the Bible. So let me tell you this, and this is one thing that, that uh, uh, the Spirit has taught me through reading is, and, and this new way of reading, is that you'll never understand this text reading it in a naturalistic point of view. That's because it's not natural, it's supernatural. So I started to pay attention on how to read and see character development in a story. So when reading or watching a story, character development is super important. So if I said the name Forrest Gump, what characteristics come to your mind? Number one, loving, integrity, loyalty, perseverance, humility, honesty. None more honest than Forrest Gump. The writer did an amazing job of allowing us to feel like we knew Forrest personally. We did not learn those characteristics just by watching Forrest alone. There were sub-characters that revealed his character. Mama, Jenny, Bubba, and Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> I simply can't say those names without saying the, or doing the impersonation, so sorry about that. I know it was awful. Um, so reading the narrative of Scripture... We have sub-characters. We have Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Israel, Joseph. That's just to name a few, and that's only in Genesis. There's tons more. 
So these sub-characters reveal the characteristics of the main character. And the main character, the narrative of Scripture, is the triune God. We are going to learn about three main characteristics that we are, uh, through our time this morning in Genesis 43. Number one, His mercy. Number two, His provision. And number three, His grace. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to dig into Genesis 43. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the time that we're in. And Lord, I pray that we uh, just focus more on you in this time of, of isolation and uncertainty. Lord, we know that we can rest in you. And Lord, I pray that right now, that Holy Spirit, that you will take my words and that you will make them yours and that you will open the ears and open the eyes of the people to see how awesome you are. And praise the name of Jesus' name. Amen. So open your Bibles to Genesis 43, and we're going to pause the video and take time uh, to read this passage out loud with those that you're gathered with. So as you read, pay attention to the areas that revealed uh, God's characteristics. So pause now, and then we'll come back together. So we are now going to walk through our three questions as Mitch presented last week. Number one, what does this passage say? And let me, let me say this on, on the, uh, the forefront of this. Write these down. Write these down, and as you read your word, um, go through these questions yourself. This is the way you to read and to understand the word as you're going through it. And it's, it's, very, it's awesome. I do this in my, my daily reading as well as I have a notebook. Um, so please do that. Um, so to pay attention to these three questions. Number one, what does the passage say? Number two, what does the passage teach us about God and man? And number three, how do we apply this passage to our lives today? What do we need to believe? What do we need to know? And what do we need to do? So what does this passage say in Genesis 43? So the famine continues. We learn that which is uh, it's interesting in this time because we are in a continuation of what we're in. So it's very, it brings kind of to home that this famine continues. They have eaten up all their grain that they have gotten from Egypt, but now they had to go back for more. So Israel tells, his brothers to go, uh, tells the brothers to go back and buy more food. The Judah speaks up and reminds his father that they cannot return without Benjamin. He emphasizes this fact as he spoke Joseph's warning to him twice in verses 3 and 5. His, his, uh, his warning was, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. So Israel was feeling a little bit backed into a corner, so he shows his frustration with the brothers and asks, Why in the world did they tell Joseph that they had another brother? Remember that Benjamin was favored by Israel over all the other brothers. So Judah's, Judah's response to, to, to Israel was, we told the truth, Dad. Joseph asked them questions and they responded with truth. So this is starting to reveal that the brothers are changing a bit. If you remember, these are the same dudes that sold Joseph into slavery and lied to Israel about his death back in chapter 37. So then Judah does something very interesting here. In verses 8 and 9, uh, Judah asks Israel to send Benjamin in his care. And if he doesn't return with Benjamin, then Judah himself will take the blame forever. So look back at chapter 42 and verse 37. 
So Reuben already offered to take Benjamin in his care. But what did Reuben offer Israel if, if he didn't return Benjamin? He offered his two sons to be put to death. Reuben pushed the consequence and the blame into his, onto his two sons, but Judah offered himself. Do you see the gospel tributary? It was interesting because at first I thought this was kind of a, a, a gospel dry, wet weather creek, but it was not. As, as the Spirit continued to, to speak to me in this and, and learning through this and reading this over and over again, this is a point directly towards Jesus. Jesus, the Lion of Judah, took the blame for us. He offered Himself and went to the cross to pay for our sins. He didn't put that on anyone else. Look at Hebrews 9, 24 uh, through 26. Let's read that together really quick. Uh, I want to, uh, to show you, um, just kind of solidify this point. So Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 9, 24 to 26. For Christ did not enter a holy place with made but with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor was it that he would offer himself often as the high priest enters the holy place year by year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, he would have he would needed to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the consummation of the ages, he has been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Man, praise the Lord. That is, uh, gives me, give me chill bumps. Love that. So one more quick thing, a uh, quick point about Judah. In verse 10, Judah just starts displaying his confidence and his leadership. And basically he says, Dad, quit wringing your hands and let's go. We could have returned twice by the time we took to make this decision. And I love this because I love good efficiency. If you know me, you know I love good efficiency. I love this about Judah. He is, he is, he is portraying that he's got leadership. He, he's ready to go. So, so Israel finally concedes, and he tells his son, his sons to take with them some of the good gifts and double the money. Okay, so hopefully Joseph would find favor uh, with them to release Simeon and Benjamin. So it's by no mistake that these, these gifts that are shown here in Genesis 43 are very similar to the gifts, even to the silver, that the brothers got from the, Israelite, uh, the Ishmaelites when they sold Joseph into slavery in chapter 37. Things are coming full circle. Israel knew the gifts would not be enough and that they needed God's grace and mercy. So he also sent them asking God to grant them compassion from Joseph in verse 14. So read that in verse 14. It says, And may God Almighty grant you compassion in the sight of man so that he will release to you your, bro your, your other brother and Benjamin. So Israel also knew that it may not be in God's plan that he may have to endure uh, some bereavement. So this shows to me, I kind of thought about this a while, and, and it was um, one of those things where I wasn't too sure what Israel was showing here, but, but Israel was showing his strong faith. That even though God does not answer his prayer, he has faith and trust in God that he will do what is best for his sons. And Israel is prepared to endure the pain that may come with it. So we read on, and when the brothers arrived at Joseph's house, Joseph saw Benjamin, and out of kindness he asked the steward to prepare a meal for them. 
This didn't sit well with the brothers. Their guilt and fear got the best of them, and they started to think that this was a trap to lure them into the house to take them captive as slaves. So they started to explain their intentions to the steward about how they were bringing the money back that they found in their sacks to, uh, after the first trip to buy food. The steward's response was very comforting. He says, peace be to you. He says, shalom, which is a Hebrew traditional greeting for receiving gifts. So the, these guys come into Egypt and get a greeting from a steward in Hebrew. It has to give them this amazing, peaceful feeling. So he, uh, he then told them that God uh, was the one that put the money back in their sacks. But he didn't use the word money, he used the word treasure. The steward knew that it was him, the steward, that put the money back in the sacks, but he didn't take credit for it. He gave that credit to God. So this is a great example of God working through man, showing grace, mercy, and provision. So one, one quick note here at the end of this little section. Um, Mitch mentioned uh, donkeys versus horses, and I kind of uh, you know, read into this uh, verse uh, 20, uh, 24. He uh, talks about giving their donkeys fodder. So these, these brothers came in on donkeys, so they came in uh, with peace. So donkeys represent that coming in peace, and horses represents coming for war. So these, come in, uh, were, these brothers were coming in for peace. So this automatically gives Joseph the feeling that these guys are not going to do anything to me. They're coming in peace. Same way as Palm Sunday with Jesus entering Jerusalem on a donkey he comes in peace. That was an awesome uh, re uh, reminder today about Palm Sunday. So Joseph came and the brothers uh, gave him the gifts and bowed before him. So I kept thinking, this is, man, you got, you got Joseph coming, you've got the brothers going in, bowing before him, giving him gifts. It's very similar to another biblical scene, I would think. Um, and you can use your own imagination there. So Joseph's first words to them, he asked, how are they doing? How is your father doing? Not questions that would come from someone that would trap them, right? I would imagine that peace and calm started to wash over them. So then Joseph sees Benjamin and gives him a special blessing, says, May God be gracious to you, my son. But Benjamin wasn't his son. So why did he say, my son? It revealed his paternal love for Benjamin. Therefore, he offered a paternal blessing. Remember, Benjamin is the youngest brother, and they came from the same mother, Rachel. And to me, this, there's, a, there's a reason why, why Joseph and, and, um, and Benjamin were Israel's favorites. Because if you remember, Rachel was the one that, uh, is, that uh, Israel loved the most. So for those of us having older brothers and older sisters, if the age gap is relatively big, then that maternal and paternal love develops. So either way you want to look at it, Joseph shows partiality to Benjamin. That's the point. So much that Joseph is overcome with emotion and has to run off and weep by himself. Look at all this compassion and mercy that God is showing. Remember Israel's prayer before sending the brothers? God was answering that prayer. Amazing. So then we get to this, this last part here. We start talking about a meal. They all sat down together uh, in a meal together. And there's, there's uh, more irony Remember back when the brothers threw Joseph in the pit? They all sat down and ate a meal. It's interesting how this is all coming full circle for Joseph uh, over his brothers. So Joseph, 
not, not, uh, not showing um, uh, um, ill will towards his brother. He shows more grace and mercy for his brothers. So this time, Joseph was not the victim. He was the victor. Another, another gospel tributary. So in the same way, Jesus sat down with his disciples in the Last Supper. Jesus became the victim for us, but he became the victor when he took, over, took death uh, victory over death in the resurrection. So pretty awesome that we are studying this passage today and then we're leading into Holy Week where we remember uh, the last meal at the Passover that's going to happen Wednesday. And we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross this Friday and Good Friday. And we remember and celebrate His victory over death Sunday at Easter. And praise the Lord. This is awesome. So lastly... Lastly, we see Joseph testing his brother's jealousy. So he sat all his brothers down by order of birthright, and the brothers noticed this and were astonished. And remember, uh, the, the brothers don't know this is Joseph, so he doesn't understand how in the world he knows them by birthright. So the brothers are thinking, oh man, this is, this is the Lord that has done this thing. So uh, uh, Joseph gave them all some food from his own table, but Benjamin got five times more. So Joseph wanted to see if he could strike up jealousy amongst his brothers towards Benjamin, which was a way to see if his brothers had truly changed. And we noticed in the very last verse, he says, so they feasted and drank freely with him. So it didn't strike any jealousy. So you're still seeing that change in the brothers happening. And we're going to learn more about that testing in chapter 44, uh, which will come in a couple weeks. So uh, very interesting, this, this whole uh, um, story that leads through that showing the changes in the brothers, it's showing the compassion of God, it's showing the mercy of God, and it's showing the provisions of God. So what does this passage teach us about God and man? That's our second question. Remember that? So number one, number one, it teaches us that God answers our prayers. Israel prayed that Joseph would receive his sons and have compassion and mercy on them, and that is exactly what happened. So number two, God uses us to reveal his characteristics and to fulfill his plan even though he doesn't need us. So in the case of Joseph's steward, God used him to show grace, mercy, and provision to the brothers by restoring treasure in their sacks. And number three, number three, this is the way that it teaches about God and man. God invites us to His table through His grace and mercy. That will come with testing of our faith and trust in Him. Joseph invited his brothers to his table, even gave from his own plate, at the same time testing his brothers' jealousy and trust. So how do we apply all of this stuff? This is our third question. How do we apply this passage to our, to our lives today? Number one, what do we need to believe? We need to believe that through His Word, God reveals Himself. We need to believe that God answers our prayers more now than any time. We, when we pray seeking His will in His way, he will freely give to those that love him. 
But remember that we may have to go through some hard times. So be acceptance of those hard times in that of testing of your faith. So number two, what do we need to know? We need to know that in spite of us, He will fulfill His plan and, and His plan of full redemption of His people. We need to know that He has overcome all worry and all fear. And we need to know that Jesus paved the way for us through His death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And what do we need to do? We need to stand in awe of our God. Our God is worthy of our praise and our worship. So we need to, right now, we need to seek, we need to pray, and we need to worship Him. So let's do that now.